Welcome BCC family and friends. Let's worship together. You are the word of
we celebrate the truth that he came to earth on our behalf so that he could resurrect us with him. We are alive in Christ. He is our living hope. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the
Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for the truth, God, that you are a living hope, Lord. We thank you that this is not just a story, God. This is not just make-believe, Lord, that this really happened, God, that you came, God, came in flesh down to this earth out of love, out of wanting to redeem us to you. And Lord, we just celebrate, God, the truth that not only did you come, did you die, but you rose again. And so, Lord, we just pray, God, that your, your spirit, your heart will awaken us today, Lord. That wherever we are, God, we know that you're present, God. Even though we're seeing this electronically, Lord, you are in the room with each and every person watching this, Lord. And we pray, God, that as we celebrate the victory that will be forever praised eternally, God, that you'll awaken us today to see and glimpse the beauty of who you are. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, Julie. Well, it's Easter Sunday. Hope you're doing well, uh, wherever you are, in your homes, in your living rooms. And uh, we trust that you are staying safe and uh, healthy and staying connected with Others, your family members, your church members, other people in your community, you're just making sure by uh, use of cell phones and all that technology we have these days that uh, the people you love and care about are okay and everybody is safe. Today, uh, we're going to have a special time at the end of the message to uh, take communion. We're going we're gonna to lead into that for you and then let you uh, do that on your own. Um, and then we'll kind of fade out. But I just want you to know that ahead of time so you can get what you need ready. Uh, some of you have the uh, communion to go cups with the uh, bread and the juice ready to go. So have those ready if you don't have those um, juice of some kind, fruit of the vine, whatever you've got. And um, crackers or something along that bread that you can used to uh, come around the Lord's table together with all of us, but in the privacy of your own home and your family. And uh, we're looking forward to that happening as well. So just be ready for that. Life here on earth seems to be changing very rapidly. Like, like every 24 hours, it just seems like new things are developing. And uh, with the coronavirus uh, outbreak, uh, and its effects on the world and uh, the effects that it's having on our country, we are living really in historical times. Um, there's a lot of ideas about this pandemic that uh, you hear uh, from people, maybe uh, see it on Facebook posts or you hear it on the media or you're talking to your, your friends, different ideas that people are having about what's going on or what caused this or how that all happened that seems to be stirring up, you know, people, uh, maybe family members of yours. Some people think that this is some type of attack on humanity to control the population in some way. Uh, some think that it was just uh, the carelessness of scientists in another country that brought this all about and now we're all dealing with this. Uh, some people believe that God is coming soon and this is a plague from above. Maybe it's one of these, maybe it's something else. 
We really don't know. But really what's important about this, really right now, what's most important about this is how we respond to it right now. Like how we react to whatever it is that's going on and how it's going on and how it originated and what the final outcome may be in the days to come. We really don't know. What we do know, and make no mistake about it, that others are watching you. People are watching you. People are looking for strength. They're looking for hope. Like, like any catastrophe, people are going to cling on to the people who seem to have it together. The people who seem to be calm in these situations or, or just keep their head in these situations, able to uh, respond in a, in, in a good way, intelligent ways, in a calm way, in a calming way, right? And uh, make no mistake about it, not only are other people watching you, but, your, but small children are watching, your kids are watching, your grandkids are watching, you. little people, little eyes are watching their parents and adults, and they're, they're looking for uh, security and safety and hope, and they're looking, for, uh, they're looking up to us to, to, to help them realize that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And as we celebrate this Sunday, this Easter Sunday today, Resurrection Sunday that we, we use as, as the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, now is the time to share hope. Now is the time to share the good news of, of the fact that God loves us. So, so in the midst of all this, the question is that I want to raise to you this morning is this. What is your attitude? What, what is your attitude as you're moving through this? Maybe let's do a little attitude check. We talked last week about the attitude of Christ, the mind of Jesus. Maybe, maybe for a second we can think about what is my attitude right now? Or what is my attitude going to be as I continue to move through this? How are you going to handle yourself as you go through this? We get to decide these things. We get to decide if we're going to be among those who panic. We're going to be among those who who are beginning to freak out, or we're going to place our trust in the one who is over everything. What is going to be your attitude as you move through this, and what is going to be your attitude after it passes, like when it's over, when this comes and goes, and it will, what will your attitude be as a result? We are living in unprecedented days for sure, because this one event, this this one event, this pandemic that's happening throughout the world, has the power and the ability, this one event, to change your life forever. Forever. The question is, how will it change your life? Will it make you a bitter person? Or will it make you a better person? Okay, that's really the question. Are you going to... Be stronger as you move through this storm, trusting on the one who is trustworthy, or are you going to let this shake you? It's going to reveal you, right? Already is, will continue to, but we get to decide in the middle of it if I'm going to readjust my, my mind and my heart and my thinking on the one who matters most. Our passage this morning is out of uh, the, the Gospel of Matthew. I want to set it up for you out of Matthew uh, like this. Matthew, in Matthew chapter 26, 
what's happening is Jesus is arrested. It's the end of his life, the end of his ministry. He knows what's coming. The cross is coming. But we're at that point in his life at the end, that final week where he is, he's arrested and he's put on trial. And in chapter 27 of Matthew, Judas goes out and he hangs himself. Now, that's bizarre, but it's because he knew what he had done and the guilt that was in his heart that he had denied who Jesus was, that he had sold out his Savior, overcame him. So Judas goes out and he hangs himself. The soldiers in Matthew 27 mock Jesus. And in John 19, the harmony of this, as you work through the, those final events, in John 19, we, we read about the fact that Jesus is flogged. He's beaten. He's beaten. He's then, in uh, Matthew 27, he's crucified. He is buried. And the, the tomb that they placed Jesus in is guarded. All four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them record this event of the resurrection of Jesus. They include different parts of it, but when you put it all together, we get the full picture, which is called the harmony of the Gospels, which is looking at the context of everything that happened and putting it together as one big piece. All four of the Gospels record the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So we're going to read in Matthew chapter 28. If you got your Bibles, Matthew 28, and it's the first 10 verses that we're going to read real quick, okay? So here we go. Work with me. Um, and I do have it. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to, to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly, tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. So the women hurried off from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples, and suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said, and they came, they came to him, clasped his feet, and they worshipped him. And then he said to them, do not be afraid, Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. What an amazing passage of Scripture, of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Let's just back up a little bit and look at a few things here real quick. It's the Sabbath. It's after the Sabbath. It's at dawn. And Mary and Magdalene, they go to the tomb because they wanted to go and check and make sure that where they put Jesus... Nobody came and took him. Nobody messed with the tomb. The guards were posted there, so they were to guard the tomb to make sure nobody stole the, the body of Jesus so that they couldn't make up some story about how he rose from the dead. So the, the tomb was guarded by soldiers, Roman soldiers, who were trained to, to do 
bad things to people if they messed with anything that they had set out to guard or do. And so the angels come, there was, or the, the women come to the tomb, and there's this earthquake that happens at some point on their way or while they're there or as they're approaching. And the angel of the Lord comes down from heaven. Now angels appear a lot of times in the scripture, and we see them appearing to people from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And they are messengers from God to deliver information to help people, human beings like us, have a, a, a more confident understanding of what's going on. That it's, that it's not one of those things where you kind of blink and you shake your head and you wonder, did that just happen? Because now there's an angel of the Lord and he's right there and he's telling you in terms that you can understand what just happened. The stone is rolled away, big massive stone that, that the women couldn't move on their own. An angel moved that stone out of the way. God moved that stone out of the way. And the guards were so afraid that they shook, it says, and they became like dead men. These are brave, strong, courageous Roman soldiers that are now shaking like a leaf because of the power of God in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The angels say to the women, don't be afraid. Uh, I know you're looking for Jesus. He was crucified. Uh, he's not here. Come on in. Check out the tomb. You will see that he's not in the tomb. He is gone. He is no longer here. And so the angel then says, go and tell the others. Go begin to tell the world. Go tell the disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead. He's going on ahead of you into Galilee. There you're going to see him. Now I've told you these things. So the angel's saying, look, I've told you from God this was going to happen. Jesus said this was going to happen. And this happened just like Jesus said. And then Jesus meets them in his, in his resurrected state. He meets them along the road and he greets them and they grab onto his feet and they worship him. And Jesus says to them, don't be afraid. Just like the angel said, don't be afraid. Go and tell the brothers to go to Galilee. They will see me there powerful passage of scripture about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Probably one of the greatest events in all of history. When you consider all the events, so many things in the Bible that have happened, that have taken place. You think about the Old Testament stories. Noah and Moses and Abraham and all these great Bible people who did great things and God used in mighty ways. You think about all those stories that you learned from a kid, you read to your kids, or you've heard about. From the prophets, the prophets that God used throughout the Old Testament period, from, from Abraham all the way to the time of Christ, that God used these prophets to speak life into the world, primarily into the life and the, the, the chosen people, Israel, who God had chosen from all of the nations to be his people, that he would live with, that he would preserve, that he would guide, that he would speak to through his prophets. And all of the things that, that we read about in the Old Testament that God did through those prophets to guide his people, Israel. And he spoke through them about the coming Messiah. God spoke through the prophets 
to share with the world and with Israel that one day a Messiah would come. That, that this the Savior of the universe, the Savior of the world, the Savior of our sin, the Messiah, the Christ, would come to the earth and what he would do, what he would be like, and, and how he would go about the work that the Father gave him to do, where he would be born, all the things about his birth and all the things about his death uh, the, the prophets wrote about. One of those was in uh, Isaiah chapter 53. And so if you have your Bibles, go to the book of Isaiah in chapter 53. And I'm going to read most of this chapter to you because it's such a great, it's such a great passage of Scripture. And it talks about Jesus, who he is, what he would do, the Messiah, the Christ, and how he would be treated by mankind. And then what would be the result of that? So listen as I read this. Just go ahead and sit back, kick back. And let me read Isaiah 53 to you. And you just kind of come contemplate uh, some of these truths that we see in Isaiah 53. Okay? As they, as, they, as they connect to Jesus. As, they, as you reflect on the life of Jesus, as you know it, from what Isaiah said, some 763 years before Jesus ever walked on the earth, Isaiah the prophet spoke of these things. Here's what he said. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities, and he carried our sorrows. Yet we consider him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, 
he was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus, he's speaking, the prophet Isaiah is speaking about Jesus. He's speaking about the one, the one who would come 770 years later, who would come and fulfill all of the, the prophecies that the Old Testament prophets spoke. Hundreds of prophecies about Jesus, about the Messiah, the Christ, what he would be like, what he would do, all those things. And Jesus came, and Jesus fulfilled every one of those. And Isaiah shares with us in Isaiah 53, one of the greatest passages of Scripture about this coming Messiah. And there's so many other passages of Scripture just like that, that point to Jesus and who he would be and what he would do. Of all the truth in Scripture... The resurrection of Jesus is the greatest news for us ever. The, the resurrection of Jesus. In good times, the resurrection lifts us up. And in troubled times, the resurrection of Jesus lifts us up as well. The resurrection of Christ, the most powerful story, the most powerful truth or event this world will ever see greater than any trouble that could ever come our way, greater than this virus, greater than all sickness or disease, greater than cancer or anything else, because the resurrection of Christ gives us hope beyond life on this planet. If all that happens to us are bad things on this planet and we gain eternal life through Christ, we have gained everything that we could ever need. The resurrection of Christ. His birth was his entry into the world. His life taught us the heart of the Father, of God the Father. But his resurrection speaks loud and clear. It says to you and it says to me that God sees you. That God sees you. It says to you and I, the resurrection does, that God sent his only son for you. Because he loves you. Because he cares for you. The resurrection says to us that God cares about us. That he loves us. And that he would demonstrate it by sending his son who would die on a cross for my sin. My separation. Jesus would pay the price that I might come back into a relationship with Jesus. With him. And the resurrection says that God has taken care of your greatest need. Your greatest need isn't money, it isn't fame, it isn't fortune or pleasure. Your greatest need is that we are cut off from God because of our sin, our rebellion, our disobedience to the one who made us. And Jesus paid the price so that those sins between you and God can be forgiven. Your greatest need has been taken care of by Jesus. And the only thing you can do is accept it accept him into your life and surrender to him and give your life fully to him and obey him in everything that he says. Even more so, the resurrection of Jesus says that everything Jesus said is true. If the one who said he would die and rise again died and rose again, then everything Jesus said is true as well. If he can do the greater thing, then truly he can do Anything less than that. 
anything else that he says. He is more than capable of doing. And he said, Jesus said, that he would come back and take us to be with him in heaven forever. So you can bank on that. No matter what goes on in this world, no matter what comes your way, you know with a relationship with Jesus that your eternity is secure in Christ, that heaven awaits you, that he went there to build a place for you, to make room for you in heaven. That there's a, there's a place there with a sign with your name on it. And when you leave this earth, when you check out of this planet, however you go, and we're all going to go one day, in a relationship with Jesus, surrendering to him, you can have confidence to know that you're safe and secure in the arms of God. There's a few words uh, floating around with this pan pandemic, right? That uh, we are hearing all kinds of new words, new sayings, new thoughts that uh, we don't hear very often. I want to share a couple of those, just two of those with you right now as we kind of wrap this up. These are words that you don't hear very much. The first word, pandemic word, is the word social distancing, right? We hear that. We hear that word a lot. Social distancing. It has to do with, you know, that six-foot space that we're supposed to keep between you and other people when you're out in public, right? It's like your personal bubble. That others are not supposed to get into your bubble and you shouldn't get into their bubble. It's social distancing. And while we are asked to maintain this space between us and other people, family members, friends, and neighbors, please know that God does not. God does not keep his distance from you or from me. He is not afraid of our illness or the virus that is plaguing us as people. Our, on, a, on a number of occasions, when it, was, when it was ceremonially unclean or when it was religiously unacceptable and politically incorrect, Jesus, as he walked on this earth, Jesus reached out and touched the sick. He reached out and touched the disease. He reached out and touched the dead. He reached out and touched them. And their illness did not impact Jesus, but his power and his grace impacted them in a great way. Usually resulting in healing, usually resulting in salvation as they fell at the feet of the one who was able to heal them. But Jesus was not afraid to touch them and to be in their space. God is not far from you right now. Right this moment, God is not far. He's just a call away. He's just a cry away. And the distance between you and God will get closer and closer the more you rely on him, the more you cry out to him, the more you say to God, God, I need you in my life. I don't understand everything about you. Probably never will. But I know enough to know that the universe and the, the creation didn't happen by itself. The alternative idea of faith called evolution is absurd compared to the creation. That, that what we see around us demands a maker. It didn't just happen by accident. Nothing this complicated could have happened by accident. And so when you surrender to the creator of the universe, 
whether you know a lot about him or not, he will draw near to you. He said, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. The second word is the word essential workers. Okay, we hear that word a little bit more, right? That's kind of interesting. Don't we all think in some way that our jobs and our careers are essential? Right? I mean, we kind of think that way, right? Surely my job is essential to somebody, right? Like, it's essential to us, for sure. I mean, it, it's our livelihood. It's how we put food on the table. What we are seeing is there's priority in jobs and in community needs on the earth. And that is coming to light more and more each day, isn't it? All of a sudden, some of us are not that critical or essential, at least our jobs, not us as people, our jobs and what we do for a living are not as essential as others. And you know, we get that, we understand that. I understand that, I think we all do. Others are very essential, while some are not. Frontline personnel are essential, right? Medical people, the police, fire, people who deal with food to supply people's homes, gas, all those things that, that are now being considered as essential, we understand that they are essential. And other things are on hold right now. We, we kind of get that, right? It's called essential workers. And, and, and I just want to take a minute together with you and say we want to thank those people who are in those jobs, those medical people who are working uh, tireless hours to, to help provide help for people, and those who go and help, and those who are stay open late and, and work long hours to, to help the people on this planet and in our country so that we can have the things that we need to just survive through this time. There's a lot of people out there, these essential workers, that are doing things beyond the call of duty for you and me. And we want to shout out to them, right, and say thank you. We just want to make sure we're thankful to those people when we see them, when we stop at the store, when we go to the gas station, when you go to the hospital or around medical people. Make sure we're, we're letting them know that we appreciate what they do. Essential workers. Essential workers, right? The priority is loud and clear in the line of jobs and we get that we understand that we all know that right and we all agree because we want to put an end to this virus and we know that some of us need to stay put out of the way while others need to work because that's the bare bones of the community that needs to continue to happen we get it but this this raises a big question for us it should make us think this idea of essential workers. And it's about what's important, right? Like it's about what, what our priorities are, what our number one priority is. It should help us think about priorities in our own life right now. As we think about essential workers. When, when everything else is stripped away, when some things have to cease being or have to go in your life, or you can't have them for now or for a while, what is the one thing that you're going to hold on to when other things are pulled away from you, stripped away from you? And there is only one, there is only one rock that will endure the tests of time. 
So in your own life, as you think about the priorities of your life, your job, your family, all the things that make up who you are, if they were stripped away one by one, what's the one thing, if you can only hold on to one thing, what's that one thing you're going to hold on to? And that one thing has to be Jesus. He is the rock. He is the rock of ages. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. And you can make him your rock today. You can invite him to be the rock of your life today. Just cry out to Jesus, right? Just begin by just turning to Jesus and be honest with him and ask him to be the Lord of your life and then be obedient to him as Lord and Savior, that he is your king and he is the one who saved you that now you're going to live your life in a way of obedience to God as you grow and learn more about him. Find somebody. Find somebody who is a believer and let Jesus wash your sins away in baptism. If you need, text me. My number will be in the link. Text me. I'll do everything I can to help you with this. Because it's that important that nobody... Nobody, especially in times like this, when we're considering the priorities of our life, nobody should live another day without Jesus Christ being the Lord and the Savior of their lives. What the resurrection means to us is this. Here's what the resurrection means to us. It means, one, no fear. We have no fear anymore because Jesus has conquered our greatest enemy, and that enemy is death. And now we can share in the resurrection and the victory over death with Jesus because he does that in us. We have no fear. Nothing that can ever come our way could ever separate us from his grace and his love and the power of the resurrection that we will live forever with him. Number two, the resurrection gives us hope beyond this life. That, that whatever happens, it's just life on the planet. Eternity is far longer far longer than life on planet Earth. If you live to 70, 80, even 100. It's very short compared to all of eternity. And the resurrection gives us hope beyond this short life. And the third thing is this. It gives us life and it gives us purpose in Jesus as we live out our lives. Our relationship with the risen Savior gives us purpose on the planet as we live each day. We can live with a sense of purpose and value because God has valued you so much that he would send his son to die for you. What an awesome thing. What an amazing, amazing thing that is, isn't it? To know that he loves you that much, that he would send his only son to die in your place for you. And so as we close this out today, on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, at your home, in your pajamas, sitting on the couch, Maybe your shorts, just hanging out, and, and you're just thinking right now about what Jesus has done for you, and the resurrection and the power that that is and what that could mean to your life. We're going to come around the Lord's table. The breaking of bread, the partaking of the fruit of the vine, right? It's all about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's not about religion. It's about the very person of Jesus who came from above, who lived on our planet and is in the history books, 
who taught and lived. It's about Jesus. It's about our relationship with him and drawing close to him. His life, his death on a cross, and his power over death, his victory is now our victory. It can be your victory if you just accept him and what he's done for you, the free gift of grace that God has for you. We give thanks to God for his son. We're grateful. We're going to live with a grateful heart, an attitude of gratitude for what God has done for us. And the bread, whether you're going to use uh, uh, the, the portable cups or you have your own way of doing this, the bread representing the body of Jesus that was broken on a cross for you and the blood that was poured out for you, his death, his sacrifice, so that you and I could come back into a relationship with God. And so as we come around the table, that's what we're going to remember. So as you partake of these emblems, the bread and the loaf, let me, let me read this passage with you. Read this with me. For I received, this is Paul speaking in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, I received from the Lord, Paul says, he got this from Jesus, what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, we know about Judas, right? Peter denied him three times, right? One of his closest followers. And yet Jesus still loved Peter, and Jesus still loved Judas. Peter responded by repenting. Judas responded by hanging himself. We can choose to follow God. We can choose to turn to him instead of running away from him or blaming him or, or getting mad at God. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this, Jesus said, in other words, when you take it, just do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I've done for you. Remember the cross. Remember the resurrection. Remember the power. In the same way, verse 25, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. I love that new covenant, right? Because it was an old covenant in the Old Testament. And now when Jesus comes, and, he, and he's in that upper room with his disciples, he institutes a new covenant, one that is now in his blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So you got the bread, you got the juice, the body, and the blood of Jesus. He said, whenever you do this, you do it weekly, great. Do it monthly, that's fine. Quarterly, whenever. The pattern in the New Testament church is that they met weekly and they broke bread. That, that's an indication that they came around the Lord's table. But Paul says right here, whenever you do it, as often as you do this, just when you do this, make sure that what you're doing is you're remembering the Lord's death until he comes again. And so what we'd like you to do is just take a little time. I'm going to play a little music and just take the next few minutes and take communion together as a family. We love you. We can't wait to see you again uh, when we're together. Hopefully we'll see you again next week uh, here on uh, the internet, on the World Wide Web. And I pray and hope that you will be blessed. Be safe and enjoy this next few minutes as you take communion. God bless you. We love you.